Well, let's pray once again before we consider the doctrine of the church from the Baptist faith and message. Father, help us be attentive to the truths uh, of your word that we just affirm from our church's doctrine. Help us to be encouraged by our church and the details of our local church, that you would just establish us in the faith, you would build us up in uh, the truth, that you would clarify from your word how we are to engage with one another and act with one another and what we're here for as a local church. We thank you for your blessings and we ask, oh God, that you would encourage us this evening as we dive in to your word as it relates to the local church. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, some of us went to Branson for the state convention, and uh, unbeknownst to me, there was a resolution, and we'll, we'll talk during the business meeting as well, kind of give an update from the state convention, but um, resolution number four in the convention was titled, On Knowing and Teaching the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. Um, is everyone familiar, familiar with what a resolution is in our national conventions and our state conventions? Um, resolutions are not binding on congregations, but they do reflect the really the majority consensus of the messengers, Southern Baptists, in terms of their convictions and in, in terms of, of the, the direction even of the church and things of that nature. So um, they're helpful for us. They're helpful and informative for our churches. And so I just wanted to read that quickly for us because it relates to what we're doing here during our business meetings as we just consider our church doctrine here in the Baptist faith and message. Resolution 4 says this, Whereas many Southern Baptists in Missouri are unfamiliar with the content of the Baptist faith and message 2000, and whereas it is essential for unity and effective Great Commission work, that Missouri Baptists agree on the gospel and core doctrines of our faith, and whereas the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 is accepted guiding statement of faith for the Southern Baptist Convention, now, therefore, be it resolved that we, the messengers of the Missouri Baptist Convention, gathered in Branson, Missouri, on October 26, 2021, encourage all Missouri Baptist pastors to consistently provide instruction to their congregation on the content of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. And to that end, we go to Article 6 of the Baptist Faith and Message here at First Baptist Church of Gallatin. It's important that we know why we believe what we believe. It's important for unity. And summaries of doctrine and belief about what we believe of Scripture brings good, clear unity of teaching is helpful, and it's for our good. And as we think of the doctrine of the church, I can't imagine something more important for us to be caring about here at this church, but to know, in terms of summary even, the convictions about what we believe about a local church. Some of the truths that we just read in our church covenant are, are you'll see, connected throughout the Baptist faith and message on the church. But God invented and gave us 
the church for our good. We know Jesus shed his blood for the church because he loved the church. He loves every believer. He went to the cross as a sacrifice for the church. And according to Matthew 16, the gospel message of Christ, Jesus, died, buried, resurrected, is the truth. It's the rock that the church is even built on. It's why we're here. Jesus' death, the good news of the gospel. We exist as the people of God only because of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why we are here. It's why we exist. So let's look at the Baptist faith and message, see what it has to say about this very important topic. And we'll just walk through it in multiple points here, but we'll start here with number one, a local covenanting church. We just read our covenant, so this is relevant to be thinking about this first point up front. Let's see what the Baptist faith and message has to say. A New Testament church of the Lord Jesus Christ is an autonomous local congregation of baptized believers associated by covenant in the faith and fellowship of the gospel. We all as believers had to be saved first and then we had to happen to be in the same geographic local area and then we had to agree together that we're going to get on mission together, that we're going to gather together, that we're going to do something together. And each local church in each community all over the world and the way that Southern Baptists function has to come to that conviction together. Acts 2, 41 and 42 shows us the beginning birth of the church very, very early. And let's see it together. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. People were saved. People were added. People were recognized in the early church. And we assemble together and we gather every Sunday because if we didn't gather together, we would no longer be a church. But no outside organization is making us gather. The Southern Baptist Convention is an association of churches that pool resources for the get for the work of the ministry, the Great Commission financially, the Southern Baptist Convention in terms of uh, when it is existing only happens for a few days every single year and they don't meet to tell First Baptist Church of Gallatin exactly what to do in their local community. We have like-mindedness as Southern Baptist, but we don't have a you know outside pope or something, someone telling us what to do or in that way. We are a local autonomous Church of baptized believers associated together by covenant and agreement that we're going to believe this way and live this way. We're going to worship God together. This is what we are as a church. And the church covenant that we read is a helpful reminder of Christianity 101 about what we've agreed, not only as believers individually, but as members of one to another in a local church. So the local church is a local 
covenanting church, and it's autonomous. There's no outside intervention in terms of how we are going to function. Number two, the local church, uh, the church is also a local worshiping church that is on mission together. Let's look at the second portion of the Baptist faith and message for this. It says this, observing the two ordinances of Christ governed by his laws. And what are those ordinances? The, the next month we'll get into those, but the ordinances, of course, are baptism and the Lord's Supper. But observing the two ordinances of Christ governed by his laws, exercising the gifts, rights, and privileges invested in them by his word and seeking to extend the gospel to the ends of the earth. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We are in submission to Christ, governed by his laws, governed by his command of us. Jesus calls us to preach the gospel and to teach all that he has commanded. He's given us two ordinances as a church, which is why we observe both the Lord's Supper and and baptism. And as a local church, we worship together, we use our gifts Together, as believers, born again, children of God, adopted into God's family, and then deployed in terms of the service of the church. And we're in submission to his word as a church, which is why we hear the preaching of the word, which is why we submit to what the word reveals. And we're on mission together. We worship together. We're on mission together to extend the gospel to the ends of the earth. We want, according to Matthew 28, to to preach the gospel so that we might call people to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then once they believe, that we teach them to observe what Jesus has commanded. And we've seen this before, but a lot of that happens in local churches. When a new believer gets saved, they've got to go somewhere. This is a missions and evangelism. Get them saved, say a prayer. But no, they're grafted into the local church, to the body of Christ, so that they could be, so they could learn and grow and be taught to observe the things that Jesus said. We do that in this local church together. All of us using the unique various gifts that God has given us sovereignly in order to work together as a team for this great end. We'd all agree that this is a great end. People getting saved, people getting sanctified, build up, growing, growing as disciples. So important for us. So it leads us to the next point here that we'll see, that we're a congregational church. Southern Baptists believe in congregationalism. Let's see that from the Confession of Faith. It says, each congregation operates under the lordship of Christ through democratic processes In such a congregation, each member is responsible and accountable to Christ as Lord. We are here in a members meeting or a church business meeting because we are called and responsible 
and accountable to the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. Christ has called us together and we all are are to use our gifts together under the headship of Christ, under the work of the Spirit in each of our lives in order to do the work of the ministry together. You don't have lone wolf Christianity. You don't have lone wolf leader who just tells it like it is. No, we, we, as Southern Baptists, we believe that we work together to use our gifts. God has given us gifts. It's just in a finance meeting with other people that are using their gifts in great ways. And without them, we would be missing out. As a church, we've got people using their gifts in a variety of ways. In our church, there's too many to, to, to count. Colossians chapter 1, 17 establishes this. First things first, Christ is head. It's, he says this, and it says this, and he is before all things, talking about Jesus, and in him all things hold together, talking about Jesus. And he is the head of the body, the church. Who is the head of the church? Jesus Christ. Who is the chief shepherd? Jesus Christ. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Look at this. Jesus made peace by dying on the cross. Peace that reconciles things that we even see in this local church. Verse 21, And you, you, me, you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, unbelievers, right? He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So Christ's death not only saves us from our personal sin, it also causes a kind of family fellowship connection one to another. All under the head, the chief shepherd, then the church, we function together all with the gift of the Holy Spirit, all with the need to defend the church's doctrine. Look, Galatians 1 that we looked at this morning. Who is Paul rebuking in those churches? Who is he getting after? He's getting after members of those local churches. Who is at fault for letting these false doctrines and teachers infect the church, each and every member of those churches, which is why we need to stand for good doctrine, good practice as believers, each and every one of us, responsible and accountable to one another. God has given us each the Holy Spirit, each member, and we work together for the work of the ministry here in this local church. This is God's good and wise purposes. We could look for, to so many different passages about how the one another's in Scripture, about each using our gifts, about each member of the body being indispensable. All, all of those passages just reveal that Christianity isn't about one person or a few people or some hierarchy people, people outside of our building telling us what to do. We already saw that that's not what it's about or just one person kind of doing the whole thing. No, it's about each and every Believer, responsible and accountable to the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. This leads us to our next point, number four. Pastor led, deacon served, in terms of the offices of the church, 
Let's see what the Baptist faith and message has to say. It says this, it's scriptural officers. So these are biblical offices that we could see in passages in scripture, and we'll see it in a minute. While uh, our pastors and deacons, it's scriptural officers, our pastors and deacons, while both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by scripture. Let's see a couple passages just identifying the offices of the church. Philippians 1.1 says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers or deacons. The scriptures use many different words to identify overseers, pastors, elders, bishops, shepherds. A lot of language used for that role of pastor and then deacons. Identified right there, the two offices of the church at the beginning of the book of Philippians. Acts 20.28 says this about pastors. It says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So the chief shepherd gives under shepherds, pastors, to oversee spiritually, to teach, to care for the flock. What a great weight that is. But the chief shepherd gives pastors in that way And he calls pastors to pay careful attention. Pastors and deacons, offices that we see here. We also see in the qualifications of pastors, it says in 1 Timothy 3, 1, the saying is trustworthy. You can see it on the screen. If anyone aspires to be the office of an overseer, he desires a noble task. In Titus, Paul calls Titus to set up and to appoint elder pastors in the, in the churches on the island of Crete. They were without pastors, and they needed pastors. And so pastors were to oversee in love and in teaching. They were needed. But then also deacons were given. In Acts 6, deacons were given to meet a need that was causing division in the body of Christ. And deacons were, are, are given also to the church to be servants of the church, to support the work of the ministry. And they have qualifications as well. And I'm just going to read 1 Timothy 3 and verse 8 to identify the the second office as well, deacons. 1 Timothy 3, 8 says, deacons likewise. So he talks about elders and their qualifications. Then he says, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. And it goes on and on and on in terms of the qualifications of a deacon. Do you see the church is to uh, be led by, by godly pastors shepherding the flock and served by godly deacons doing work in the ministry together? Those are the two offices that the church identifies, and it's important that Southern Baptists identify that in the Baptist faith and message. And it's also important for us to realize that as Baptists, as Southern Baptists, we recognize that though uh, women are called to serve the church in a variety of ways, as we saw recently in a, the, the uh, sermon on gospel-centered women's discipleship from Titus 2. It, it is indispensable ministry that we need our women to be called to in a variety of ways, but the, the scriptures have revealed that the office of pastor, even as the Baptist faith and message reveals, uh, is, is limited to not all men, but to some qualified, God-gifted and then congregational affirmed men 
to serve as pastor, qualified by Scripture. Baptist faith and message says that. This is important. We're seeing details of the local church being identified in this doctrinal statement, our church doctrine. It's helpful to be aware of what we teach on these uh, matters because these are a summary of what we believe that Scripture teaches on this topic. And as, as Baptists and as Southern Baptists, knowing our doctrine, knowing what we believe, and knowing how we're going to live, our church covenant together, it's important for us to be reminded about these things so that there won't be confusion in the church, so that we would be able to be on the same page and move forward in Great Commission work. And we need to move forward because there's a lot at stake, and believers all over the place um, are, are being saved and being engrafted into what the Scriptures also reveal to as the church universal. And number five, this is the last point really, really quickly, the universal church. We see this also in the Baptist faith and message. Here, let's see it again. Or let's see it uh, to conclude our section here. The New Testament speaks also of the church as a body of Christ, which includes all the redeemed of all the ages, believers from every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation. We're not the only church. We're not the only Christians. There are Christians in other local churches, even in our town, who are part of the local church. There are Christians in other nations. Some of us have gone to different nations and have met believers, a part of the universal church. We go to the convention in Branson, and we see a lot of like-minded churches, pastors and other representatives, uh, other, others who are serving as messengers for their churches. They're all part of these local churches, and we realize that though we're a part of different local churches, we are all saved by the same gospel, engrafted into the same family of God, adopted into the same big family, and we're all going to be spending heaven together. Though we might be, not be at church business meetings and members meetings together here on earth, because we don't live next to each other and we're not in the same local church, we will be spending eternity together because we've been bought by the precious blood of Christ. We'll be spending eternity with people from every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation. That's a great vision. Revelation 7-9 gives us this vision. Let's see it from the Bible. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What a glorious vision. Believers of many local churches one day worshiping the Lamb of God for eternity together. The gospel goes forward. People get saved. You ever experienced instant fellowship whenever you've gone to another church that you've never been to before? Maybe you're on vacation or traveling, and when you become fast friends, fast family, you're like-minded. You have the same Holy Spirit. You've been saved by the same gospel. These things get you so excited just as they get them excited because you love the same Lord. You have the same master. You worship the same God. You have the same authority in terms of the word of God. You're like-minded. You're talking about life and church and perspective and, and what you're living for. And, and you find yourself being of the same mind. Why? Because we have the same book and we have the same Savior. 
we have the same salvation. We've been baptized together into the church together, and we have unity together, fellowship together. What a glorious thing. And one day we will be worshiping God with people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language. And the Baptist faith and message sums that up at the very end here in this point to remind us that there's more going on than just in this local congregation. And praise God for that, right? Praise God that there's more going on. And praise God what he's doing here. But, but praise God what he's doing all over the world. And we get to be a, a little part of that, but a significant part of that by God's grace for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our church. We thank you for what you revealed, that you didn't leave us in the dark but you gave us direction. Thank you for the clarity from your word. Thank you for the blessings that you've given us by being a part of this local church. Help us to be encouraged by the ministry that you've called each and every one of us to. Help us to do that ministry as we do the business of our church now together. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen.